Welcome back to season two of Jeducation, where we are exploring best parenting practices based on the age and stage of our children. As we graduate from daycare age, we move on to first through eighth grade with Rabbi Chaim Hagler, the head of school of Yeshiva Noam, one of the premier Yeshiva day schools in Paramus, New Jersey. In this episode, you will learn how to deal with technology impacting our children, how to help children in this stage develop their midos, how parents can help children develop a relationship with Hashem, best practices of discipline, and much, much more. My name is Yair Menchel. I believe that we are all Jewish educators, whether by profession or not. And I'm excited to help you be the best educator that you can be. As a reminder, follow our new Instagram handle at thejewsnextdoor, D-O-R, and on Twitter at Yair Menchel for parenting tips, quotes, funny and relevant content, and to find out when the new episode of The Jews Next Door drops. Without further ado, enjoy the episode. This week's guest is Rabbi Chaim Hagler. Rabbi Hagler is the founding principal and head of school of Yeshiva Noam in Paramus, New Jersey. Prior to being named the principal of Yeshiva Noam in 2000, Rabbi Hagler was the headmaster of Ramaz Lower School in New York, and previously he served as the director of Judaic Studies at Hebrew Academy of Montreal and taught at SAR in Riverdale. And Rabbi Hagler and his wife, Javi, live in Bergenfields with their five children. So first things first, I'm super excited to have this conversation with you as an educator of and, and, and with so much experience of inspiring and educating elementary school age children, middle school age children. And I'm you know, super excited to have this conversation and really, really thank you for taking the time to, to talk to education. My pleasure. It's uh, always a pleasure to talk education. I thank you for inviting me. Amazing. Thank you. So first things first, what inspired you in the first place to go into the field of Jewish education? That's a great question. I don't think it was any one thing that inspired me. Um, I think it was a natural progression. I always loved working with children. Mm-hmm. Um, from a young age, as soon as I was able to become a youth leader, mm. I was a youth leader. Um, as soon as I could become a counselor, I was a counselor. I became a youth director, became a um, division head. I worked at Yeshiva High School Seminar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, it was just... So you've always been involved in it, and it yeah. was kind of like there's the natural... Yeah. So, and and you, you yeah. know, you've been in a bunch of different, you know, before, before Noam, where you've been for now a number of years, you've been in a bunch of, like, how did all of those, you know, come about? What was the, how did that kind of like take me through that story a little bit? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was, my wife and I got, we got married. I was, before that, I was the youth director at Lincoln Square Synagogue. Mm, nice. Um, division at a Camp Marashah. And we got married and went to Gruss for the year. Mm. And realized, you know, some some point in the year that I have to come back and mm-hmm. and find a job. And sure, I sure. started to reach out to a few of my friends who were already working in schools and just sending letters. In those days, we sent letters <laughs> to some of the to some of the schools. Um, and there were two people that I was so fortunate to be connected to. One was Rabbi Danny Ryan, mm, who sure. had also moved to Israel that year with his family, oh, really? and he was working in BMT, ah, which cool, was cool. in the same campus as sure. Gruss. Um, and Rabbi Stewie Zweiders, who was about to make Aliyah. Uh-huh. Um, and Rabbi Zweider was in, was in Israel and um, had reached out to a few places, all of them high school. Mm. And I knew uh, Rabbi Zweider, and uh, he sat down with me and mm-hmm. said to me two things. Number one, I think you should go to elementary school as the Rabbi Ryan. Uh-huh. And number two, you need to go to SAR Academy. Really? So that, that's where you started. And started. that's where I started my, wow. my formal education. Amazing. And they set that up. I went in for Pesach and did a model lesson there. And uh, Rabbi Fulder and Rabbi Cohen hired me. Wow. Amazing. And I had not been looking at SAR and I had not been looking in elementary school. Right, right. Right. You said high school. So that's funny. And then, and, you know, I, I see that along the way you've really stayed with elementary and middle school. All I did. I right. did. Um, what would you say are the unique challenges of, you know, educating and parenting? a uh, elementary school age child and a middle school age child? There are unique challenges. Um, I think, first of all, I, I always like to say that every generation has the unique challenges. Sure, so sure. I'm glad you didn't phrase it of that it's more challenging today because I don't think that's the case. Right, right. Um, I think it's just different than, as you said, unique challenges. I think there are, there are a few key unique challenges. Um, one is um, the impact that technology has. Mm on both um, families, parents, and especially that it has on, on children, how it's impacting. And you're seeing it with lower, skill, lower school age children also? Even with lower, yeah. Wow. Yeah, in different ways. I think mm-hmm. as they're getting a little bit older into middle school, we're seeing a lot of it with self-esteem and anxiety. Right, right. Um, with the younger children, we're seeing a lot with attention. Mm, um, everything that they are interacting with 
It's flashy, it's quick, it's sound bites, if you will. Is that because of like TV or more like social media? Because I feel like lower school age children are probably not as much on social media, right? Um, so, or is no, it YouTube, I, Netflix? Yeah, I think it's YouTube, the uh, Netflix, the things that they're, that they're looking at that are really, you know, geared for that, that they're having so much more exposure to. Interesting. Um, and I, I think the other thing that, that's a challenge is that, you know, Bar Hashem, we are in, living in a generation that's very comfortable. Um, right, right financially, and, and that's wonderful, and it's able to offer our children wonderful things educationally, religiously, um, and, and, and comfort-wise, but it also poses challenges as well. For sure, for sure, for sure. So what, let's, uh, I guess we'll, we'll go to each of them, but uh, what, what would you say in terms of technology, you know, because that was the first one you spoke about, of the best way for parents and educators to, to handle that? I mean, I know, I know, I remember a couple of years ago, there was the all the schools in the Bergen County, and, and, and that it was amazing. Is that is that the answer? Is there more to it than that? Is there, or is, like, what, what would you say in terms of that? Yeah. I guess just to give context to everyone, you know, that the, the all the Bergen County schools had gathered together to really put some limitations on cell phone usage and also age recommendations of when to introduce cell phones and tech, that, that aspect of technology, just to, you know, give our, our listeners some context. Yeah, and, and just to add to that context, I think what we saw is that um, you know, in, in a wonderful way, our community is so interwoven. Mm. Um, so all the, the students, I, I think more than ever before, have so many friends in true. other schools. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of their best friends are just in, in some of the other schools, um, whether it be with all of the various local sports teams that they, they right. play on, yeah, summer programs, going to summer camps. Um, so we, we realized that it was something that had to be looked at as an entire community yeah and i remember being a part of it like in some of the sessions as you know and, and going to the session at night for the parents and the yeah. educators and then the ones like when we led the sessions as teachers in the in the school yeah it was amazing it was so it was very powerful to be a part of it it was it was incredible yeah for, for being a part of that and you know leading that that was that was amazing yeah yeah so i you know to answer your question i think that that is um the best way to move forward to to help our children um use technology properly and to have only a positive impact on them um and that is working as a community sure um and it's not just the question of setting limits and um delaying you know having some you know smartphones or devices and i think that's a part of it but i think it's about education as well mm. educating children how to be kind online how to be safe mm. online interesting um and what about also in terms of like you were saying for the lower school children it's probably more so the, the YouTube and the Netflix, how, what types of limitations would you recommend? Because that wasn't really addressed as much with that because that was more specifically focused on you know, cell phone usage. So what, what types of limitations would you, or would you, would you say limitations is the answer, number one, I guess? And if yes, then what, what types of limitations would you say? Yeah, I, th I think you know, a lot of that is educating parents mm -hmm. because it used to be that if you turned on the TV and you saw on a, um, you know, on a network TV, which most people just had in their house, right, right. and there was some sort of cartoon on there, 99 out of 100 times, that was appropriate right, right. for your children. And what we started to see is that there's a lot of things that when parents glance at it, it looks appropriate for children, when in, in actuality, right. it's counter to all of the values mm. that both parents are trying to instill in their children at home and we're trying to sure. instill at home sure. and in school. So a lot of it is educating parents on how to screen things better um, keeping in touch with parents when we become aware mm. of certain things that the children are on that might not be in their best interest or certainly not in their best interest to be overindulging in. Right, right, right. What are some of those things? Um, look, the, but TikTok is certainly... Mm. Even for, for lower school one children of or those more things. so? More, I mean, I, I'm sure in the middle school it's crazy prevalent, but in terms yeah. of lower school, you're finding it as well? What I find is anything that's in the middle school one year is moving its way down over really? the next few years. Yeah. Really? Wow, that's yeah. so interesting. That's yeah. fascinating. And also, I guess they're also, you know, TikTok video compilations always make it to YouTube. So that's also probably yeah. another, wow, that's, that's yeah. super interesting. The other Very. thing that, that comes up a lot that we talk to parents about is the, is the things that pop up on their screens. Mm. When they, you know, search on YouTube for something that's appropriate. Right. But suddenly on that side 
Sure. Bar. Right, right, right. There's right. so many they other have, things. Like, YouTube kids now. Yeah. But that doesn't even also, I, I've, at least I've heard, it doesn't necessarily always help it for right. either. That's interesting. How, how would you say that your role has, um, I guess, evolved in, in being an advisor to parents, specifically, I guess, with technology, but also not just technology, with all these things, you know, in, in, in helping specifically for this age group um, and as you're, you know, in your role as head of school? You know, it's, it's evolved as the um, issues that children deal with have evolved. Mm. Um, so we talked a, a little bit about technology and the issues that relate to that. We're seeing a lot more of anxiety mm. in children, and it's guiding parents with regard to that as well. What types of guidance do you give to as a parents in terms of that? It, it really depends on the specific, on the specific child. Right, sure. Um, you know, the most important thing, of course, is talking to your children, um, you know, creating that comfortable environment for them to talk to you, to share with you. Uh, most important is to always be available to listen to your children. Mm, sure. Um, you must work around their schedule. Mm -hmm. So that it's hard. It's hard for, for the working parents. And yes, especially, I mean, COVID was its own thing, but even, even before COVID, it's, it was, you know, so hard for all these working parents yeah. who got home really late at night and they're first getting home and like probably need some time to unwind and then you have your children who want to talk to you or, you know, or, or maybe they don't want to talk to you, but you might want to talk to them and you're just like, you know, it's a lot, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, but it's also sending them the, the messages that you want to talk to them. Mm. Um, how, do, how do you, how do, what's the right way to... Asking them about their day, telling them about your day, starting discussions with them, putting your phone down as a mm. parent. Yeah. So that you show that you are physically available. Sure. And ready to focus, to focus on them. Right. It's a, it's a very strong point. It's a very, very strong point. And how do you see, I guess, from your perspective, you know, as a head of school, I'm sure you, you deal, I mean, all the time dealing with a lot, a lot of parents and seeing the way that parents affect children. How do you see that parents' beliefs shape the values of the, of the children? I, mean, I think that parents are the primary role models for their children, sure. as, it, as it should be. Um, and therefore, you know, their values and their beliefs are going to have the largest impact on their children. Is that, uh, is that across the board, meaning elementary school and middle school age, or is that more with elementary school? I feel like middle school, they're already starting to mature a little bit, maybe trying to break into that adolescence where they, you know, kind of try to break away a little bit from parents in a way, not fully, mm -hmm. but, you know, slightly. So do you, do you find that, or even still in the, in the middle school, that's still the... I think in the middle school, it's more about parents being supportive of mm -hmm. their children when they are, um, you know, breaking away from them and, and finding themselves and developing their own path and belief. Interesting. Um, if parents are very negative about it, that, mm. that's going to have a, a major impact. Sure. But how do parents be supportive about that when, especially like, you know, parents have certain, certain, I guess, either assumptions or expectations of how they would like for, you know, their child to somewhat be not like, you know, I want them to be exactly like me or sometimes parents do want that. How do you, how do they be supportive of that when a child is, you know, breaking away from that in a way or how, I, I guess. I'm sure from your, you, you've dealt with parents when they're having, you know, dealing with children who are going through that. How do you, how would you, how do you advise parents in those situations? Um, number one is to pick and choose. Mm -hmm. uh, pick and choose, uh, he chooses the battles, but that's yeah. the expression. Sure. Um, you know, don't fight every battle. Mm. You know, really be able to prioritize. Um, number two, it's to not, to try to anticipate them beforehand. Mm. And talk about them beforehand. Interesting. What, what does um, that? What do you mean by that? Meaning, like proactively saying to them, "These are things that are important to us," and and like meaning trying to set that set up that culture, or or you mean something different? Is that um, both that plus, in other words, telling them, sharing with them what your values are, mm -hmm. but also being as specific as possible. If it's an issue of um, you know going to parties, right. The time to have the conversation with them about that is not when the invitation comes. <laughs> right, right. And, not reactive. And, right. And that, right. Then you have to deal with, because then you're dealing with a very specific situation. Mm -hmm. But if you can dial it back a little bit and have those, the conversation about that or whatever the issue might be, sure. when there isn't something 
practical at that moment happening, then I think both parties are able to be, both parents and children, to be a little bit more objective. Mm. And then when it comes up, you refer back to the conversations you right. had earlier. Right, 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 right. That's a great point. That's a very good point. And in terms of parents, you know, picking and choosing the battles, are there sing- does that vary based on each and every single situation? Or are there certain, like, objective battles that you would say, you know, this is not, with, with this age group, either middle school or lower school, this is not the time to, you know, pick that battle in a way. Yeah, no, it definitely does vary. Um, obviously, if it's something that's dangerous, illegal, right. that, that, that's a very clear line in the sand. Sure, sure. But after that, it, it does vary. And I, and I think, you know, adding to that, it's, you know, try to say yes. Right. Whenever you can. Right. Um, and, you know, the default should be, yes, let's see if we can make that work. Right, right, right. Um, and if they hear those words, even if it can't work, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think that they'll, you know, children are, are much more ready to compromise and, and to work with parents. Interesting. That's very interesting. And lower school, do you find that, I mean, is that, you find that probably more so in middle school. So what about in, in, in terms of lower school? I think it works in lower school to an extent as well. Uh-huh. Both of those strategies of talking about things beforehand um, and also talking about, um, you know, thinking about where you can say yes. Interesting. And, and help make it work. Right, right, right. That's very interesting. How does, you know, another, you know, while specifically, I guess, more so in lower school, but also in middle school also, um, is the time specifically as, as children are, you know, forming themselves and, and figuring out, you know, what types of person they're going to be, specifically Midos, you know, especially, how does Yeshiva Noam go about helping the children develop their, their Midos? I guess probably over the course of the years, you know, different ways. Yeah, yeah, and and there's not one um, single specific thing that we do. Sure. Um, you know, I I think number one, you know, it's it's about prioritizing the fact of instilling, um, you know, proper and midot in in our students mm-hmm. that that has to be our priority. Right. Um, we start with what we refer to as our culture of kindness. Mm, yeah, right. Um, and we talk about that. We use those words a lot. Yeah, and no, I've heard a lot about it. Right. So yeah. we'll talk about our culture of kindness and, um, you know, instilling that. And that's who we want to be at Yeshiva Noam. It's, a, it's an integral part of our mission statement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, you know, be, you know filters down to uh, modeling kindness. Um, we feel very strongly that we have to model for our, our students how to be kind, how to be, and I love using this word, it's an old-fashioned word, to be a mensch. Mm, sure. Um, you know, it starts with how we as adults speak with each other mm. um, and modeling that because they're there, they're watching that, yeah, they see that. Totally. It's, so. it's how I get on the bus in the morning or in the afternoon and greet the bus driver or wish the bus driver a wonderful day. Mm. Um, we're modeling that, that culture of kindness. It's how we interact with students. Um, and treat them right. with that same respect um, and kindness. Right, right. Um, so that really creates that that culture of kindness. It's talking about the culture of kindness. We talk sure. about it. We say, and that's that's meaning that's every year. That's not meaning it's not like you have a theme per se each year. Correct. It's always culture of kindness is really the, is correct. The focus. Correct. That's instilled in everything. Really. Um, yeah. It's about taking the time to address um, issues that might be coming up. That, that need to, to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about inclusion, inclusion at recess, inclusion at, mm. at, at lunch. Right, right. Um, it's about addressing issues that are taking place not just in school, but how to be kind to, to our friends and to other people even outside of school. Sure, sure. Um, and it's about also not, you know, I, I've always said it's, it's interesting. We, we understand we have to teach so many different subjects when it comes to kindness and behavior we expect it to be natural. Right, right. And that children should just should be know given. that. Right, right. And, you know, I'll always take that step back or will always take that step back at Yeshiva Noam and say, but did we teach that to them? Mm-hmm. And we're not satisfied with that answer. So they just you, should have known that. You teach it in like a formal way also, meaning it's, it's, it's in classes or it's in programming or it's or, or yes across the board? It's yes across the board. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a curriculum, okay. but it's very practical. Um, so I'll give you one example. Sure. Um, you know, we spend time teaching children how to behave at a bar and bat mitzvah. Mm, yeah, um, no, I've, that, I've, I've actually heard a lot about that, yeah. Right. I've heard, you know, I heard how you go to the bar mitzvahs and you show them and you demonstrate that, you really model that for them. Correct, and that's another part of it. But, you know, we, we don't have an expectation of how they should behave 
um, and participate and add to the simcha, but not teach it. Right, right. So we'll spend time teaching it and reviewing it the same way that we'd be teaching a math lesson, not in the same way, but with the right, same right, right. understanding sure. of teaching that as well. That's amazing. Wow. And what, how, how can parents go about either, you know, creating that culture of kindness in their, in their homes or not necessarily per se culture of kindness, but just, you know, Midos development. How can parents go about doing that? Yeah, look, I think, you know, the, 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 the biggest thing that parents can do in almost any area is modeling it. Sure. Um, and it's really modeling for their children mm-hmm. um, that kindness. Um, it's modeling for them um, how they are being inclusive, mm. um, how they're being sensitive to somebody else's feelings. Um, or how they might have felt a little slighted. Right. I think it goes beyond modeling. And step number two is talking to your children I was about, about to ask, that. Like, meaning, is that the type of thing where you specifically actually yes. like, tell it to them specifically? Like, look, I did this because, I mean, not maybe not always pointing it out explicitly like that. Or you would say, yes, you know, point it out as much as you can to bring it out. Yeah. And some of the workshops that I've done over the years on many different subjects, one of them is on how to instill me don't in our children. Mm-hmm. And I, and I talked to parents and, you know, I say so many of you are doing so many wonderful chesed things. And, and one of the beautiful things about you is you're all such, your, your anivud is so incredible. Right. But don't be an anav with your children. You're right. not doing them a favor. You need to let them know. So interesting. When, when you delivered to Tom Cheshavis or when you made a meal for somebody or, and, and take them through that process. You know, I heard that so-and-so wasn't feeling well. So I stopped and I thought, how can I help them? Mm. And if you can involve them, they're old enough, and right. say, hey, guys, what do you think? What can we do to help this family? Mm, such You're modeling point. that sensitivity yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. For, for your children and taking them and literally teaching them the steps so that when they have their interaction with their friend in third grade, they can reflect back on that right. wow. mm. and, and implement those same steps on their level. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and what about when children's midos are not necessarily fitting in that culture of kindness, they're not necessarily up to par. How does, how do you go about handling that? You know, I guess first, first and foremost, you know, from your head of school hat on, you know, Yeshiva Noam hat on, how do, how do do you deal with that in school? And firstly, it's obviously a little bit different for every child. Sure, sure. Um, I think one of the things that we want to figure out is to get to the root of it, because Mm -hmm. we believe very strongly that every child wants to be kind. Yeah, yeah. Every child wants to be good. Um, so why, why, why is they, are they not being kind to other people? Sure. What's holding them back? What's bothering them? What's going on in their life? What's going on outside of school? What's going on inside of school? Mm-hmm. Um, so we try to look and understand that. Um, it, it, it could be that they're struggling academically. We need to address that. And that's mm-hmm. having such an impact on their self-esteem. Sure. Sure. And that's manifesting itself in the way that they're treating um, other children. So we, we always want to start with that. Right. Like take a step back. Let's, let's see what's really yeah. going on here. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and more often than not, if we're able to, to, to uncover that, we're able to help that child really shine in their, we don't in the way that they treat other children. Right. Um, when that doesn't work, you know, we, we want to look for professional help. Mm-hmm. You know, does that need to be an outside professional help? Do we need to get more information about a child. Um, do we need to have a therapist working with a child to help them unpack that and help us help them right. unpack that? And that's that. not something that the school, you know, psychology, psychologists will, will do per se, you're saying? The school psychologist will, will meet with children, certainly will work with children, but if a child needs to have... That, that more like... Yeah, that ongoing, one-on-one, ongoing one-on-one. therapist, right. the school psychologist, um, you know, can't take that sure, on and, sure, sure, sure. as well. And what about, you know, you, we spoke about how it's a lot about modeling it. So what about when you have parents whose midos are not necessarily off the far, which, you know, I, I, I'm sure there, there's been many, many cases where you've had, you, you know, dealing with that. So how do you, how do you go about handling that? <laughs> I, know, I know it's challenging. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I think, you know, it, and, and that's part of, you know, talking talk about a little bit in terms of when you see it with a child, you know, and, and you're seeing that, sure. you know, that they're not, you know, getting the right messages at home. Then you know that changes our pers- perspective right, and, and how fall, we fall far from the tree. Right, right, how we deal with that child and how we love that child and even more, <laughs> and support that child. You know, even more, and mm, you know, sometimes have to take a look that you know we're going to have to provide you know even more because we don't have that 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 partner at home. Right, right. Um, I'll start by saying you know I I feel so blessed that um, it's something that really really happens at Yeshiva Noam. Oh, that's great. 
Um, but I, you know, we believe in then reaching out to parents and talking to them about that. Mm, really, like and head, helping head on talking. Yeah, about it. really, wow. Yeah, kind, you know, not confrontational, mm-hmm. but sharing with them what we're seeing, and and what we're seeing the impact it's having on their children. Right. And my experience has been that you know, the ch- parents love their children, and when they hear about the impact that it's having on their children, um, if for no other reason, I think you know. They're, they want to grow also, but I think if they, they hear that it's having a negative impact on their children's growth, then, you know, they, they usually come on board. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a very, very good point. What would you say, you know, is the best way for educators and parents to help their child develop a relationship with Hashem? And obviously that looks very different for, you know, when children are in elementary school versus middle school. So I guess if you could talk about both of those specific ages. Yeah, um, I think it, it, it's number one. It's about parents and educators recognizing that everybody should have their own personal relationship with Hashem. Mm-hmm. Um, so their relationship doesn't have to look the, the way their way. parents mm, or, or or the way their their Rebbe or or Mora's relationship with Hashem is. But understanding that there are different ways, you know, that's the beauty. I think. Of, of I mean, you're saying important for the parents and the educators to realize that or for the kids to realize that? I think it starts with parents and the educators uh-huh. because sometimes, you know, parents, you know, see their relationship, you know, the way that, that it is with Hashem and, you know, want their child to follow in that exact way. Sure, and and sure. of course, we'd like them to relate to Hashem in all of the different ways. Right. But I think it starts with helping them realize it and, and then it goes to the child mm-hmm. and helping them. That comes to also exposing children to the, to the beauty of Judaism and to the different ways that we can relate to Hashem by um, fulfilling the mission that He put put us on this world to right, fulfill. Right, right. Um, so it, it it could be through tefillah, mm-hmm. it could be through limut Torah, it could be through chesed. Right, right. And even in chesed, there are so many different things. And then helping them realize that what they're doing is very powerful in the eyes of Hashem. Right, right. Um, it's also about making sure that they know how much Hashem loves them mm. and finding opportunities to literally use those words right. and tell them that Hashem loves them and tell the children how special they are and how much Hashem cares about them. Right. And that I feel like that's probably more fitting in a, in a lower school grades, right? I mean, middle school also? or I think it's I think there's room for it in middle school yeah? as well. Okay. Meaning middle schoolers don't look at that and like either like roll their eyes a little bit or feel I like, don't think come so. on, I'm not, you know, no, they, yeah. No, I think if it's, if it's done in the appropriate way, yeah. What, what, so what's um, that appropriate way for, for middle school versus lower school or, or, you know, either one? Yeah, a lot of it is situational. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I, I, th- I think in you know, middle school as well, when they accomplish something, to tell them, you know, I'm so proud of you and I can only imagine that Hashem's getting such nachat from you mm-hmm. for right. what you've done. Right, right. Um, that's, a, you know, that's a great statement to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That's very good. And in terms of, you know, we, we mentioned a little bit before about self-confidence. How does, you know, actually, well, I guess we'll go back a second in terms of that relationship with Hashem, right? So that's, that's good in terms, that, that's parents. Educators, would you say it's the same thing or, or it's slightly different? Meaning it's giving them more of those opportunities in school or yeah. parents is different because, you know, more talking more about Hashem. It, it, like, the same thing that I said for the parents applies to the educators as well, but okay. we have another opportunity mm-hmm. because we are the ones who are educating them. Right, right. And that's to make their um, Torah experience exciting right, and vibrant mm-hmm. um, and something that they can relate to mm. and something that they are feeling good about. Right. Um, it could be within the learning in the classroom. It could be within special programs about right, right. Chagim, about mitzvot. Um, it could be about doing hands-on things and experiential learning that they can, you know, research and learn about the topic and present it to, right. to their friends as an example. Sure, sure. Um, so if they're feeling that their learning was exciting mm-hmm. and their connection to Hashem in the ways that we are bringing them to closer to connect to Hashem is exciting and dynamic and enjoyable, right. then, then they'll do that. I, I, um, I think I mentioned before by Danny Ryan. Yeah. I think it was him who told me this, that, um, you know, if, if you're a teaching, you know, a Torah teacher and teaching children Torah, it's a little bit different than if you're, you know, you can be teaching somebody calculus. Right. And, um, you know, the, the you know, student can get 98s on every single test, but 
no, not enjoy it and mm-hmm. not like you as a teacher, right, right. you've been successful. Mm-hmm. But if you're teaching Chumash and the child's getting 98 but doesn't enjoy it true. It's and, true. and doesn't connect to you as the Rebbe or the Mora, you, you were not successful. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point. It's very, very true. And so what, what would you say are the differences then between middle school and lower school in terms of that, that aspect of connecting with Hashem? I mean, from your perspective. I think in the middle school, it's about the independence. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the lower school, it's about guiding them. Okay. Um, walking them through the different ways to connect to Hashem, like literally giving Meaning them the experiences because they really have not never had it before. Correct. Uh-huh. In the in the middle school, and in, and again, a lot of this does apply in middle school as well. What I just said, but it's the next aspect to that is giving them more independence mm-hmm. to explore um, their connection to Hashem on their own a little bit more. Interesting. Interesting. And you'd say the same thing for parents as well. Yeah. How do how do parents go about the I mean, I think for the, the, the lower school age, it's probably a, a somewhat more simple for a, child, a parent to do that. I'm not saying it's simple, but, you know, it's, it's more natural, I guess. But in middle school, to give them that independence, how does a parent step back? How, how do, how do, how do, or, or give them the ability to explore? I mean, like, what, what does that look like for a parent? You know, it, it looks like, you know, talking to your children about it, um, talking to them about opportunities, mm-hmm. um, talking to them about all of the different ways to connect with Hashem, and, you know, throwing it out there and seeing where, what resonates with them, with their child. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like the, the approach of, like, throw, throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, in a, in a way. I mean, in a way. Giving them that opportunity yeah. to do that, in a way. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. And what would you say is the right way for, for parents to, you know, help their children to develop that self-confidence that we, we spoke about before? You know, when they're, either sometimes a child does really well in, in academically and therefore sometimes has it naturally. Sometimes children, it has nothing to do with academics, it's just naturally have it. And sometimes children really don't have that naturally. So how can a parent help that child who either doesn't have it naturally or a child who, let's say, is struggling academically, you know, help them to reach that self-confidence? Um, I, I think it's important to... Um, to, to help build your child's self-confidence, but to be honest. Mm. Interesting. Um, what do you mean by that? You know, if they didn't put their best effort in, don't say, oh, you were great. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. If they did something wrong, um, you need to point it out to them. Right. But um, if they're doing everything not, right and they're just, you know, they're not being suce- successful for whatever reason. They're not, you know, maybe they're, they're not. Right. So there, there I'd say, and that's, that's what I mean. That's, that's part of being honest. In other words, yeah, if they're, if they're putting in their best effort and they're doing everything right, then, you know, first of all, I do believe they're being successful. Right. Because that in and of itself is probably the greatest success sure. that we can want for our children at that yeah. age yeah. is that they're putting in their best effort and doing everything right. The results are less, less important. They will come. Um, but I would point something like that out to them. But I think that sometimes in, in, in the best of intentions, um, you know, parents overinflate you know, mm-hmm. who their children are. Right, right. And I don't think that we're necessarily doing them a favor. Interesting. Um, so I think it's important to, if they hear from us that we can also be um, critical with constructive, kind, constructive, you know, criticism, and um, then, then when we, all of the times that we do point out to them where mm. we are, they are successful, where they really are talented. It's more real. It's more real. Yeah. And I find that some of the parents are just, it's so overwhelming in a beautiful way. Yeah, no, but that's such a great point. It's also setting them up for success down the line when not everyone's yeah. going to be as, always. Exactly. oh, that was amazing. You did a great job. Or oh, yeah. that, that art piece is amazing, even though it's like, you know, it's like a stick fit, right? Correct. Like, so that, that's a great point. Setting yeah. them up really for real yeah. success in life. Yeah. yeah, I think a second important point is to share your successes and your failures with your children. Interesting. At what age? Um, at a young age. Really? Yeah. First grade, second grade even? For sure. Really? Wow. For sure. Yeah, one of the things I talk to parents about all the time, and I'm hoping that people are sitting down and having dinner together, um, it's such a great opportunity mm-hmm. to, to talk with your children. Totally. Um, you know, my family, my children are older now, but when they were younger, we, we always had the question of the day, and you know, often it was something like, you know, talk about two things that 
you felt like you were successful in, and one thing that you you really feel it's like so you funny. did a good we job. So funny, we do the same thing. We always say, yeah. "What was you know?" Or slightly different. We say, "What was something positive in your day? What was something negative? And what is something you want to say thank you to Hashem for in your day?" Right. Which is slightly, slightly differently, but you know that's that's interesting. Right. And my my son, my oldest son, is five. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah. there you have it, right over there. Right. But you know, I was love to. We love to vary up the questions. We found that after a while, you know, it could start to get stale. But right. we, we developed a whole list of them. Really. Um, oh, I gotta get that list from you. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> But I think we, are, I think we, all the listeners have to get that list. Th that's really great opportunity yeah. to really talk to your children about that. Sometimes we're not successful in everything. Right. Right. And that's okay. Also, yeah. Sheva Yipolt Sadik Vakamlo. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, yeah, and, and sharing that message. And as I said, sharing your areas where, where, where you were less successful. Yeah, totally. That's a great point. If you could change one thing in the education system, specifically for these age groups, lower school, middle school, it could be for both or just one of them, in the, in the broader you know, scheme of, of education world, what, what would that be? I don't know if it's, if it's a change in the educational system okay. that, I, that, I, that I see and you know, advocate, uh, would advocate for if I you know, had endless resources and abilities. Mm. Um, I, th I think it's just about providing children with um, you know, more supports where they where they need it. And I think we're doing a great job in every year in doing that, but recognizing that, um, you know, it's not just about a teacher, right? but it's about their emotional growth and children who, who are excelling and sure. need to be challenged. What and, are some of those other supports that you feel like are not necessarily being met now that if you had those unlimited resources, you would uh, try to address more? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll just talk a little about Yeshiva Noam for a moment. Sure. Um, you know, within that, you know, um, you know, I remember when I started 31 years ago um, in a very, you know, wonderful school and progressive school, and there's a, you know, one psych school psychologist two days a week. Right, <laughs> right. That's. <laughs> um, I feel like that's not, literally not heard of in any school now. <laughs> correct, correct. So you know, the fact that we have um, 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 five mental health professionals. Wow. Um, you know, working in Shivat Noam, right, right. I think is, you know, very, very significant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, then we took a look and said, okay, and obviously there's always more we can even do with that. Um, and, you know, started to see the fact that one of the things that was holding one of the, probably the largest um, obstacle that was getting in the way of children's learning was um, language-based mm. learning and literacy. Right, right. So we now have three full-time speech and language therapists. Oh, wow, really? Hmm. Um, we built a sensory gym hmm. and, cool. you know, have, um, occupational therapists that come in to work with children, hmm. cool. um, cool. right in the sensory gym. So those sure. are the type of things that we continuously look at right. and would love to continue to build on, mm -hmm. um, building on for children whose, um, difficulty might be with anxiety hmm. and specialists working on that. And you mean you, you have we that already or would you love say to see that's that. what you'd when want you to see? We would like to right, continue right. to grow in. That's interesting. Yeah, I feel like there, that I, I totally hear that. That's not something that's necessarily addressed always so much by schools. Like there's a school psychologist who will help, but there's only so much. And especially when a school psychologist has such a right. full caseload. Yeah. It's it's you know And there's hard. an expertise in this. Yeah. There are and you know, it's wonderful that there are psychologists who specialize right. in this area. We're seeing that as such a a significant um, um, roadblock for children. Yeah, yeah. Um, children who struggle struggle behaviorally. Mm. Um, creating more of a behavioral program within a school. Right. Does does uh, Noam have you know a behavioral specific program? Like we do not right now for that area. We do. Uh, we built a wonderful program for um, for literacy, speech and language based literacy mm. difficulties. Oh, cool. Uh, we call it our Hazak Benoam program. Nice, nice. Um, which has been incredibly successful and right now is a waitlist. Really? For students trying nice. to get into it, yeah. oh, sure. um, so you know it's not. A, I don't look at an overall, an overhaul or uh, any major drastic change, but I think continuing to provide children with those supports. Sure, sure, that's great. Well, when when you're you know looking to hire staff, and uh, this is it's like a, a little bit of a different type of question for a parenting and Jewish education podcast, but um, I'm curious, what do you look for specifically? to help make the best possible experience for children. I mean, when you're, you're hiring, what are you looking for? Which I guess, which is why it is relevant, but you know, it's, yeah. don't, you don't typically ask that question, but I'm, I'm curious. Personality, uh -huh. um, love of children. Mm -hmm. um, when I'm interviewing, when I'm uh, observing a model lesson, 
Um, I want to see how, how comfortable they feel with children, mm. um, how much they're enjoying being with the children and interacting with children. Got it. Um, when I'm interviewing them, I want to hear them reflect on, on their um, experiences with children, mm-hmm. um, why they're here. I, of course, want to see their um, skills sure, sure. as a teacher, but quite frankly, that's that way down develop. there. You can yeah, develop I, that, sure. It, it's like basketball. You can't teach height. <laughs> right, right. Um, and if you don't have that personality mm-hmm. to enter, and, 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 and it does, it's not one type of personality. I have awesome teachers that are outgoing and bubbly and teachers that connect beautifully with children in a quieter way. Right, right, right. Um, so it's not one, but, but all of them have that passion and that love um, of children and, and want to be with children and, and help them grow and develop. That's great. That's great. And I guess this is a slightly different way of looking at it, a similar question. What, when children come to interview, sometimes either like, you know, just at the youngest of ages and even sometimes when you're having a school, uh, a student who's transferring in, in middle school, what are you looking for then? Can we meet their needs? Uh-huh. Do we believe that, that we can help them grow mm-hmm. and meet their potential? Interesting. So not as much in terms of like about the, the, the child itself per se, more so in terms of like how you can help them. Yeah. And, you know, even so in, interesting. In, in, in circumstances and, and Baruch Hashem doesn't happen often, but where we don't feel, it, you know, I, I, when I re, you know, sit and talk to parents about it, it's not that there's something about your child. Mm-hmm. Um, we just don't have the resources to, your child's great right. and wonderful. And, and needs to grow and will grow. Right, right. Um, but in the area where they need to grow, that's not where we have mm-hmm. the appropriate resources to help them. Or, or, or at times we might have it, but, but they're, they're maxed out. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. And in terms of, I guess, once, so then once, once a kid is in the school, let's say, and, you know, obviously, I'm sure Baruch Hashem, all the yeshiva, know they're, they're all, you know, really fulfilling that culture of kindness. But, you know, here and there, there's some, some child who really, you know, acts out a little bit. So what, is, what does discipline look like in Yeshiva Noam? I guess, uh, say specifically first in lower school and then in middle school, because I'm, I'm wondering if there's a difference between the two. Um, and I'm sure there must be some differences. So what, what does that look like? You know, I, I always like to take it a step back when I talk about discipline and what it looks like um, and start with the preventive discipline. Mm. All of the things that we do. Um, I don't right, like you this. spoke about like the bar mitzvah, for example, like you were Correct. as opposed to having to deal with, you know, post facto, like, you know, that was not the right way to talk, to, to handle yourself at a bar mitzvah. You're going to proactively educate them on that. Right. And then I'll add to that is with myself and Rabbi Motechin being there mm-hmm. to, you know, it's not like we're going to get the phone call the next day of mm-hmm. a disaster that happened. If right. something begins to um, go wrong, then we're able to be there and to deal with that. That's another right. piece of it. So sure. that's being proactive, um, what I call, you know, preventive discipline. Sure. Um, so I think, you know, for us, that's really been a, 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 a huge part of it is how we've, and there's so many other examples. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's the small group learning that we're able to do, the fact that we're able to provide, to provide supports, to have children learn on their level and feel, and not just feel, but be successful mm-hmm. academically, which I always think is a, is a big um, cause for children who are who are acting out. Small, and you're saying that is that in the that's in the lower school that's or straight through. That's straight through. Small yeah. group learning able to have that in middle school. Middle school as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Um, you know, physical environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you walk into our our classrooms, especially in the lower school, and see children sitting on the floor, right, rocking right. chairs, um, and and you know whatever um, physical. Um, you know, piece of furniture they might need to help them be successful. Sure. So, you know, we'll allow for that. Our classrooms are larger um, than code mm-hmm. um, to give them the space to move around. Nice. Um, so a lot of those things. Um, having two recesses straight through eighth grade. Really? Wow, Every single day. Wow. Um, trying to get outside. That's nice. Almost every single day and get fresh air. Yeah, that's important. Um, you know, so those are some of the things that I think really help to prevent right, preventative um, discipline. You know, so many of the discipline issues that happen. Yeah. Sure, but obviously, with all of that, there are going to be things that, you know, that arise. Mm-hmm. Um, and when something does arise, it starts with a conversation with with the student. Mm-hmm. 
Same same type of conversation, lower school, middle school, or a same goal. Right. Same goal. So so take me through that a little bit. What does that conversation look like specifically with a lower school? I mean, because same goal, but you handle it differently. So how what would what would be the way that you handle that specifically with a lower school age? Yeah, child? well, you know, we'll, we'll we'll you know if it's appropriate, um, at, at a time where the child is not heated, <coughs> excuse me, and it you know is is not feeling frustrated at that moment. Sure. Um, but to help them unpack what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so-and-so said the following happened. Um, and we'll try to, you know, open it up for them to um, feel safe and, and not feel like they are being accused of something. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, is this what happened? Was there something that, you know, somebody did to you that mm-hmm. made you react sure. in this way? And what um, if, it's, if it's really just that the child has these misperceptions? Like, it's not meaning... It, the, the, no one was really doing anything so wrong. No yeah. one was saying anything so wrong. And yeah. child, just a little bit of an extra sensitive child, let's say. How do you, you know, help those types of situations? And that comes back to what we talked about before, to, you know, to, to finding that out, that that's at the root of why the child is acting sure. out. Sure. And then putting, you know, how do we help that child? Mm-hmm. Um, is, it, is it, you know, would, would they benefit from working with a therapist? Right, right. On, on talking through these issues. Um, and then working with our psychologists in school when they're feeling that way mm-hmm. and saying, hey, you know, when you feel that way, you're going to pop into the psychologist's office right, right. Uh, and give us a signal or give your teacher a signal that you need to, to leave the room, mm-hmm. that nobody else knows about that signal. Right. And you're going to be able to share it and then process what might have actually happened. Sure, sure. And then so, so you're having that conversation, trying to get them to, you know, open up in a way of like, or just to, just to talk through what happened. Is that I'm, uh, that part is probably similar in middle school? Yeah. So what's what's the differences then? You know, the difference is is is, is going to be in terms of what the follow up is, what the potential consequences are. Uh-huh. Uh, we always want to look at you know what are going to you know what consequences will help children learn mm-hmm. and grow. Right. Um, and that's always different in different ages. Um, you know, in, in that type of a sense. Sure. Um, in the middle school, we can have more conversations with them about how this can really impact their future. Right. Um, especially as they get closer high to high school. school. Right, 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 right. Um, sure. You know, so... Would, would you, in terms of your, in your own home disciplining, did you, I guess, learn anything from your experiences in school and bring it into your own home when you were disciplining your own children? Or is that, or did you discipline... In a different way at home, um, it was probably the opposite direction. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, we're we're you know I learned the mistakes that I made <laughs> um, and tried to to um, learn from them when I went back to school. Um, but more importantly, um, to where I learned from my wife uh-huh. and nice. how she interacted with our children and tried to uh, emulate that both at home and in school. Nice, nice. So what so, what uh, what is the is the are are there differences between discipline at home and school, or would you say? In the end, it's really similar. I mean, you're having that same conversation with the goal of trying to get them to take a step back and get to the core of it. Yeah, I think, I think it is the same. Mm-hmm. I think it is the same. Um, I think coming back to something I'd said in, in a different context applies here as well. Of, um, you know, having, you need to have the conversation when something is happening, but then finding the times where, um, you know, not beshais mice, you know, right, right. like in the middle of, 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 <laughs> of, an, of a situation to unpack and to talk about it. Sure. Um, so, you know, you could go back a few days later and say to your child, you know, you got really upset and yeah. reacted. You know, we talked about that. I don't want to talk about it again. But I want to know, you know, if, if you feel upset again about something that your sibling did, what are some of the other things? What would work for you? How can I help you? Because mm-hmm. um, I, I can get it why it's so upsetting. Right. And, and why it's so frustrating and so hurtful. Right, right. Um, but I, I want to be there to help help you. Can we talk about what we can do in those situations? That's a great point. And 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 you know, it's it's okay to do it a couple of days later, even though like that's it, you don't like I mean that's not too far removed. At that no, point, no, I think it's better to do it a couple of days later. Uh-huh. And also, it's probably going to come up again because <laughs> siblings sure. are siblings. That is very true. That's so very, very um, even if you didn't solve the last one, <laughs> right? No problem. <laughs> <laughs> totally, very true. And another thing that's interesting is that you know as as children are going through lower school and then on to middle school is tefillah. Tefillah looks very different, I think, I assume. I mean, I didn't, I, I've taught formally in, in middle school and in high school, but never in lower school. But I, 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 I've, I have the assumption that lower school tefillah looks very different than middle school tefillah. 
So how do you, you know, I feel like in lower school, it's more like getting used to it, getting used to saying it and, and uh, you know, not necessarily understanding per se so, so much per se, right? So how do you, where do you start to make that shift in tefillah to help them be able to access tefillah in a, in a meaningful way where they develop a, a personal relationship with tefillah as they get older and, you know, do start to look at, you know, what the meaning is and how, how do I connect? How do I feel about these tefillah? Yeah, and, and, you know, I think to an extent you are correct between the lower school and the, and the middle school um, and, and the way that they are um, interacting with, with tefillah. But I do think that the, the connection actually starts on a, on a very young age, mm-hmm. um, you know, where we'll talk to them at a very young age, even in early childhood, about something that they want to daven for. Really? Wow. Um, or, or, or as they're getting their sidur mm-hmm. in first grade and talking to them about what tefillah means to them. Right, right. Um, and helping them make personal connections mm-hmm. To tefillah. It doesn't mean that they necessarily understand all of the tefillah. Right, not the specifics. Per but se, trying but. to make it a something a little bit more personal for them. Um, what do you want to say thank you to Hashem for? Mm, nice. Um, right, know, the thank you Hashem song is, uh, is a good way to... Uh, no question about uh, it. That's no great. question about it. Um, but that's just, you know, I think that's an opener. Right. Because it's important to get specific right, right, right. And, and let them, um, you know, share that. Um, so I think it does start even in that in, mm-hmm. the, in those younger in those so younger in the younger grades. grades more so you're saying like thematically that you know connect connecting in terms of feeling what am I thankful for what do I want to dive in for those types of things yeah and then as you get to middle school do you do you specifically have classes on you know the actual meaning of tefillah or not necessarily you know that in depth per se but more so like in the tefillah experience it, you know you look to give it over what how do you how do you approach that. Yeah, we, we do it in both. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have some classes. Um, we have found that it can only, like, students can sustain their attention and involvement X number of classes when mm-hmm. it comes to learning about a tefillah. Right, right. Or about tefillot. Yeah. Uh, so we'll spread it out over the grades and pick different tefillot at different times Got it. Interesting. Um, to work on mm. and, and to try to develop our understanding. Um, but we'll also use the tefillah experience. Mm-hmm. Um, during tefillah to talk about a tefillah mm. uh, or to focus on a specific tefillah to help them better understand um, that tefillah. Got it. Is that done like in like a kind of like in like an orderly like curricular way or you know, more like? Um, I, it, it's, it's done. Th- there is a system to it, but it's very flexible. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, a little bit depending if there's something specific going on that we want to use a tefillah sure. to talk about. Um, if if students brought up mm-hmm. something sure. and raised something, if there's a specific part of a tefillah that we just see the children are not tavening and not relating to, right? Um, so really talking about that, mm-hmm. if shershalyom by the end is a little bit difficult, <laughs> sure. maybe we want to talk about you know if that you know if the student give they that can ask that, push, yeah. so we might give that a little bit of a push and talk about. Sure. And again, we're not going to, especially something like tefillah shershalyom, go through the words and pirushamilim, but right, just you right. know the significance mm-hmm. of it and where it comes from and. Got it. Uh, the importance of it. And in terms of parents, how can parents help their children connect to tefillah more? Or not necessarily that they're going to be educating them the same way, but, you know, just to give them that that, that positive feelings towards tefillah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in, in part of this is the same for, for, for teachers as well. Um, I, I start always when I talk to parents about tefillah and their children um, with the do no harm. Mm. Uh, most importantly, mm. it's it's very difficult. It's difficult for adults sure, to connect to tefillah <laughs> all across the board. 100%. So, so, so you know, I always start with like, whatever you do, don't make it a negative experience. Mm. We might not be successful in making it a positive experience, but we could definitely be successful if we put our mind to it to not making it a a negative right. experience. So, how do that's that could be hard sometimes for a parent when they're let's say they're in shul with their child. Child's being disruptive, and so you you know parent as a parent you don't want, you don't want them to a, be disruptive. You, yeah. know, you want them to learn that they can't be disruptive, and you're also maybe sometimes feeling somewhat embarrassed of like. Yeah. So how do you go about not you know getting too upset at your child in that situation, but also you know teaching them in the right way? You know this is inappropriate without so, without making that negative experience. Like yeah. Um, I, look, I, th- I think being disruptive is different. Right. Um, that that is a place where mm-hmm. um, perhaps the the negative part of the tefillah experience is outweighed by the positive lesson of 
um, disrupting somebody else's tefillah and being disrespectful uh-huh. to the entire the entire tzibur. Right. Um, I was referring more to, but I want to come back to that point in a moment, of if they themselves are not davening. Right, right. Um, right, don't knowing, like forcing them, them to like death, you know, it, yeah, and forcing yeah. them and, and yelling at them. And when I was your age, you know, I was already <laughs> davening or so-and-so is in your class. I saw him davening. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's where it becomes a, you know, that negative, sure. that negative experience. And that's what I was referring to. Right. You know, that sense of not making negative experience. I think, you know, when it comes to the disruption, as I said before, that, that you do have to, um, try to try to do it in a way that's least negative. Yeah. Um, you could suggest to your child at that moment, like, hey, maybe you want to go outside and take a little break now, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, if there's somebody else that they can go downstairs and visit, you know, right. send them on an errand, something, yeah. can you go outside and get me a chumash and, you know, just break it up a little bit. Um, but I think even on that, then to decide if it's right to try to encourage your child to go to shul, if they're going to be disruptive, then mm-hmm. just pull back on that. Interesting. So I mean, like, like we, we spoke, you know, in the beginning of the conversation about like picking and choosing certain battles. You would say tefillah specifically is maybe a battle to, yeah, to be more careful about when when pushing it. Yeah, very much so. It's uh-huh. Very very important to be careful about that. Um, we had very Rothwax a number of years ago did a workshop on, on this topic uh-huh. for parents, and you know he he shared with us at the time that he was working at the time in high school, and he he would give an anonymous survey to his tenth uh, eleventh graders what it was you know about their experiences with tefillah, and if they don't like davening, don't davening, why don't they? And mm-hmm. primarily a lot of them would reflect on the negative experiences they had. Really? Um, wow. With tefillah. Wow, 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 wow. Um, As what turned them off. Hmm. Um, being embarrassed at tefillah for, for not davening. But so specifically think, because of the way that their parents did it or, or not necessarily, just in general? That's no, like, either parents or, 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 or teachers. Or even teachers, wow. Yeah. Hmm. I actually, I know someone who, you know, who because they got a grade for tefillah, that was what that was, they not, they literally like left there. We right, don't put you know? grades. We don't yeah. we don't give grades with feeling. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, it's, that, uh, that I, we we and we'll tell them it's not our job to grade you. That's right. your personal. It's a personal time with Hashem. Yeah. How can we grade that? Yeah, it's, but it's, we do believe what I said before that you, you you can't be disrespectful and disruptive. Right. Totally. 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 I know that you know um, you know I have a, I have a nephew who's in the school and he's told me about the times that you come in and speak about you know your time machine and different messages that you come in and speak about. So how you know. First of all, what's your methodology in terms of when you're going in to speak to them, A? And B, what, how do you choose, how do you go about choosing which topics to choose to speak to? You know, these are what you were talking about, five or six-year-olds who are very young, but they really soak up these messages. So how do you, how do you go about giving that over, and, and which messages do you specifically choose to, uh, to give over? Oh, wow. Okay, so I, I just have to first sidetrack because you <laughs> brought up my time machine. Yeah. Um, and give a little context. Yeah, to, I was going to say we probably need a little bit of context on that. One. <laughs> um, a little bit of context to that. So um, um, one of the many highlights of my week is I go to each and every in kindergarten class every single week. Oh, every week. Every wow. week. Every wow. single week. Hmm. Um, and for 21 years straight, and we try never to miss. It's it's yeah. it's, it's one of those. Uh, yeah, yeah, we try it never. If 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 we don't have school, it's on a Friday. If we don't have school Thursday and Friday, we'll do it on Wednesday. Really? We schedule oh, it. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Um, and um, we, I learned Parsha with them, so I learned that week's Parsha with mm. the with the children every the kindergarten children every single week. Amazing. Um, and and I'll talk a little bit about that, and that might be answering some of the questions that, that you know that you raised. Um, you know, you know, my my goal, my first goal is for them to have just a a wonderful experience with with the Parsha with Torah. Um, that they just enjoyed it. How? How do you make it so enjoy, you know, enjoyable for them? You make it come alive. I, I, my, I've had my nephew over for shots for, and he's like telling me all these things. Like Rabbi Hagler said this and this, and I was like, wow, like he's really, he's getting that excitement. He's getting it. So how do you? What, what's your, what's your methodology there? Um, I, I, I think it's just I love being with them, and that comes through. Yeah. Um, awesome. I'm animated. Yeah. Um, try to be funny. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and um, get them involved. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in telling the story yeah, that's awesome. and, and sharing the story. And, um, you know, as I said, that they, they should obviously know, 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 know the parasha, but to, you know, if really enjoyed, right. You know, that, that they said, okay, you know, I've just learned Torah and I, I love that, you know, that half hour, 40 minutes. Um, so that's, that's goal number one for me. Um, when I go in there and I, and I learn parasha with them, um, you know, you know, when I started 21 years ago, um, doing that, it, it was, I found it relatively, 
relatively easily. I actually gave some workshops many years ago in teaching parsha in kindergarten. Oh, really? Um, yeah. You know, but then you started to hit, hit Vayikra. <laughs> so right. smooth sailing, you yeah, know. Hey, yeah. great stories. Um, and then you started to hear to hit Vayikra, and I, and I realized that I, you know, there were, there were great, uh, beautiful mitzvot that I wanted to talk to them about, but just talking about yeah. mitzvot is, becomes a little bit dry and, sure. um, in and of itself, and especially when they had such um, excitement in those earlier, you know, story-based right, right. Uh, So I had to develop um, a whole, you know, litany of different um, tricks, if you will, Cool. Of of you know talking you know about the different mitzvot. So um, a lot of the times you know we'll um, play a game that I created, guess the mitzvah, and then just guess the mitzvah baseball edition. Oh, cool, cool. Um, nice. So where if there are mitzvot in the Torah, they can try to guess it, and they get on first base and runs for the you know for the for the entire uh, class. How many runs they might have scored that day? Giving examples of that uh-huh. mitzvah. Nice. I'm always trying to make those mitzvah practical right. for them and how sure. they could do that mitzvah, um, you know, in, in school, at home, with their friends. Right. Um, as we hit, you know, some of those parshiot that, that, that are more um, about mitzvot than, you know, than stories and, um, and several other different games um, that, that we've created to play with them, you know, uh, centered around the, the various mitzvot. Yeah. Um, and then we came to certain mitzvot that, um, more are tzliopa aretz, are very connected to um, Beit Hamikdash. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to figure out how do I, you know, how do I bring that? Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> you know, how do I bring that, you know, to them? So I created the time machine mm. of um, you know going back in time to the time of the Beit Hamikdash, but created a very elaborate story. Yes, <laughs> of how. <laughs> You know, I built it, and what happened, and my adventures, and how I almost got stuck back in time, right. and you know, and and then you know, we within the elaborate story that 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 they love to hear, you know, talk about all those different mitzvot. Right, that's so cool. That's amazing. Wow. Um, you know, coming back to the the question of you know what are my goals and what are you know what sure. am I trying to instill in them? Um, so I talked about you know just you know just the love of Torah that they you know have that that enjoyable enjoyable experience. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm always bringing out the midot of the parshiot. Mm. Um, that's that's always a focus, um, and and trying to to um, help them see and learn from each of the parashiyot, the beautiful midot. Right. Um, certainly in Sefer Breshit, Sefer Ayashar. Right. Right. Um, you know that that's that's another primary focus. That's awesome. Um, wow. And then the third piece, as we mentioned, is the mitzvot, and always asking, trying to help them and get them to see how it relates to to themselves. Right, right, right. Wow, that's awesome. It's such a, it's also, it's a great model for parents, meaning parents to do that at their Shabbos table if they can. I mean, if they're, you know, I'm not right. sure they're not as, as creative and as animated right. as an incredible right. educator as you are, but the, it's, it's, a, it's a cool thing for parents to try to strive for. It's, it's, a, it's it would be very cool. Right. What I get from a lot of parents, it seems like you, you've experienced this yourself with your nephew is a lot of parents will say, um, I just, they just, my kindergarten child shares what you said. And a lot of them will, um, often, um, you know, uh, mimic the expressions, the jokes, yeah, the totally. hand motions. hundred <laughs> percent. That I that I do. Yeah, um, yeah, I've heard that from a number of parents. Totally, totally. That's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> and and I saw I, I saw that on your on the on the Noam in your bio on, on the Yeshiva Noam website. It says there how you know one of the things is Hagler believes in the importance of getting to know his students and establishing meaningful relationships with them. So, I mean, we speak about that just now a little bit, you know, in terms of how to, of how you would do that. You, you know, you, you just love being with them. What, what do you have a, you have a, you know, a methodology towards creating that relationship with them? I mean, besides for just the love, obviously the love is like the, is the base, but then how, you know, what, what else do you go to use to, to develop that more? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's getting into the classrooms, mm-hmm. um, especially in those younger grades. Um, so, you know, we, we have, um, the year before kindergarten is our pre-K, our BUDS classes, we sure, refer to them as, sure. um, getting into those BUDS classes and, and doing units. I do a unit on each of the Chagim with them mm. and, and we'll do something with them on each of the Chagim. Um, and that starts to build a relationship when right. I'm in the classroom with them, learning with them and having that, uh, positive, you know, relationship with them. I, sure. I also teach Parsha each of the first grade classes every single week. It's a very wow. different. Uh, how you do all that? Parsha, <laughs> yeah. Um, I do a whole class on the fifth graders as well. Wow. Um, so I think, you know, number one is, is, is trying to get into classrooms and mm-hmm. interact with them. 
um, going to Oneg's, telling stories at Oneg's, right. you know, starts to really build those relationships. Sure, sure. I think the, you know, important, and it's not just for me, but I think for all educators when they're building relationships with, with students, is, is it starts with spending time with them. Right. Um, being around them, being in the halls, mm-hmm. um, you know, being there at arrival, um, right. being there at recess, in the lunchroom. Um, you know, those are powerful times to really build relationships and they just lend themselves to those relationships. Children yeah. coming off of a bus, especially the younger children, um, if something exciting happened, they want to share that. Right, right away, right. Um, and if you are physically present, you have the opportunity to really share that with them. Totally. Um, so they'll come off the bus and tell you that their tooth is loose. Right. Uh, and obviously you're excited. Yeah. And you react in an excited way. Uh, but then the next day you're going to go over them and say, how's that tooth? Right, or right. see them at lunch. Right, and that's just, yeah. You know, did the tooth come out? And that's taking an interest in them. Right. Um, yeah. So getting to know them or, or you heard something that happened outside of school or you heard from their teacher something that happened and making sure to reflect and talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know about that. But how do you do that with a you know a school that's Barsham? Because I know how a very very large with so so many students. Like how do you how do you keep track of all that? And- um, you know, in, in many different ways. You know, look, I, I I'm fortunate to to have been the founding head of school. Right. So you know, I was able to grow. You know, I didn't have to you know start to learn 825. <laughs> right, so right, right. you know, it's, it's it's really that's why I spend a lot of time in the early childhood in those classrooms in the first grade using that as an opportunity to get to know children mm-hmm. at, at that age. Right, I mean, so and you're probably not know, going in as much to the middle school because you've already established that relationship in a way. Um, I do a lot in the middle school as well. Uh, oh, really? Wow. <laughs> yeah, I teach a lot of classes, uh, it, and not all of them at the same time. Right, right, right. Uh, but throughout in different, you know, in, a lot in the middle school as well. Wow, wow. Um, yeah, because there it's about um, reestablishing a relationship on a totally different level. Right, right, right. What does that I mean? What does that look like? What do you mean? What do you mean by that? That it's because it is obviously it's a very different level. So what does that what does that mean for you? Yeah, um, you know, it's it's really um, not about the just the you know the the and, and incredibly valuable small one off things that I talked about before with younger children the loose tooth, but it's really about the ongoing conversations mm-hmm. um, that you can have with with students in the middle school, and it could be you know in a range. Uh, of different topics, some of them very serious, some of them just fun. Yeah, totally. That, that you have ongoing, you know, conversations, mm-hmm. you know, with, um, you know, that that's that's that reestablishing that relationship in the middle school. Wow, it's amazing. As we wrap up, I'm curious if you have any either books or svarm, you know, education, parenting books or svarm that you recommend specifically for these ages, either lower school, middle school, it could be both, you know, any. I, yeah, I, I don't really, okay. um, you know, in, in different situations, um, you know, I might recommend different different books, sure. um, depending what a child or a parent or a family might be mm-hmm. might be struggling with, okay. uh, whether it be you know, or calendrix, you know, mindfulness mm. might be the appropriate, or right. blessing of a skin knee, mm. um, you know, books like that, sure. uh, how to talk when children, you know, so children will listen, right. Right. Defiant child, you know, but I can't really say that I consistently say that this, you've got to read this book. Right, right, right. You know, as you. No, no go to books for you as much. Um, you know, a handful, but more situationally. Got it, got it. Okay, sounds good. Well, thank you so much. It's uh, it's so clear how much experience you have and really, you know, I, I, the, the, the reputation of both for your reputation and, and Noam's reputation is, is so known. And, uh, you know, you know, they say, you know, only, only so, but I won't say much more, but really it's, uh, this, this conversation was, it was amazing for me and for, for all the educators to listen in on. It's, uh, really, I, I really gained a tremendous amount, so much insight from you. And, uh, really thank you for taking the time tonight. My, my pleasure. And again, thank you for, for having me on. For sure. For sure. Wow, what an incredible conversation. Rabbi Hagler has so much, so much wisdom to offer. Thank you so much for listening to this second episode of Season 2 of Education, where we are all Jewish educators. Make sure to follow us on the new OU Parenting Podcast Instagram handle, The Jews Next Door, D-O-R, and on Twitter at Yet Your Shell for parenting tips, quotes, and funny and relevant content, and to find out when the first episode of the new parenting podcast will drop. If you have any parenting questions, call into our new hotline at 833-737-1293 to be featured on a future podcast. Leave your name and number and your question, and don't worry, we will be making it anonymous. Looking forward to next week's episode with my head of school, 
Rabbi Eliezer Rubin of Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy and Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School. See you next week. Have a great week.